Welcome to What the Fantasy. I am Brandon Hay at HayB3. Good evening, everybody. My name is Zadig Kantabedian, and I am at ZKantFF on Twitter. So um, we are going to start doing the Kenny Gainwell piece in little short videos because we are doing a little highlight review, and we'll be putting that on our YouTube channel. So we can go ahead and just jump into some NFL news. So today, uh, Sony Michelle got traded to the uh, to the Rams. So what does that mean for the Patriots and the Rams? I'll let you give your thought thoughts first. I think it kind of well for the Patriots to start off. I think it hurts Dwayne Harris. Uh, Damian Harris a little bit more than it originally did. Um, primarily, we were worried about Damian Harris and his goal line touches with Cam Newton as quarterback. Because Cam Newton, as we, if you don't know by now, Cam Newton led the league in touches inside the five. He had more rushing touchdowns last year than he had passing touchdowns. And that was the primary threat to Damian Harris's fantasy production. So with Sony Michelle behind him, we weren't worried. We weren't really too worried about Sony Michelle. But with Ramondre Stevenson behind him now, he's it's even more of a threat for goal line touches to be taken away. You always hear people comparing Ramondre Stevenson to LeGarrette Blunt. Now, even I don't think that's a perfect linear comparison. Ramondre Stevenson is a he, he beats people up when he runs. That's that's part of his style. While he also has other attributes that sets him apart from LeGarrette Blunt, that is one of the primary factors that leads people to compare him to LeGarrette Blunt. And when we, when we talk about what LeGarrette Blunt did on the Patriots, we know that we know that Bill Belichick fed LeGarrette Blunt touches at the goal line all the time. So there's that, which is kind of scary for Damian Harris, kind of lowers him a little bit more, makes him a low-end RB2 for me. I think that uh, Ramondre Stevenson also, with his, with his other characteristics, like he has nimble feet, he's got some patience when he runs, he's an underrated pass catcher, he can also now – Take a little, take a little bit of work between the twenties. So this, this hurts Damian Harris, um, I think, in in the overall picture with this whole acquisition. For the Rams, I think it was just bad on their part. I don't know why Sean McVay did this. I think it was a waste of two picks. Um, we we don't know what Sean McVay does with players as it in regards to draft capital because you know they went and got Tutu Atwell in the second round, but they're not going to make Tutu Atwell like a primary piece. If we were if we were talking about another team getting a receiver in the second round, then that, that we would, we would be speaking of that receiver or running back in high regards in, t- in terms of fantasy utilization on the field. Uh, I think, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be something to, to I'm avoiding the Rams backfield. I was already hinging on avoiding Darrell Henderson. Uh, and this already puts me over the edge with him. I don't want him at his ADP going in the fourth, or fifth round or sixth round. I don't want him. I really don't want to, I can't deal with this. I don't want the headache. I'd rather just get another receiver and just take somebody later. Just take another RB2 later. It's no, there's no point in doing this. We can project and say, okay, yeah, Darrell Henderson knows this. Darrell Henderson, Darrell Henderson knows the system better. True. But I mean, CJ Anderson didn't know the system that great when he first came in like three years ago and balled out for, for uh, Sean McVay and just went off into the postseason with, with CJ Anderson, you know, he wasn't, they just brought him in off the street and he did fine. So I don't think that argument really holds up too well. So with this whole thing, I, I really don't want to deal with any of the Rams backfield. And it's a shame because it's such a, it's such a great backfield and an offense to have a part of. So if you're going to take one of the Rams back, one of the, one of, one of the Rams running backs, take the cheapest one. Don't even get invested. So I'm, 
going to disagree a little bit on both parts. For the Patriots, I think it helps Damian Harris a little bit because um, Stevenson was going to be there regardless. And Cam Newton, you know, as long as he starts, he's going to get those goal line carries. But at least now he doesn't have Sony Michelle taking the, you know, 20 to 20, 20s work. So I think this might show that they want to use him as more workhorse there. And maybe he does get some more passing work. Um, who knows? Because James White's still there and he's actually looked pretty good in the preseason. But I don't, I think this might help uh, Harris a little bit. And then as the Rams, uh, I don't have the luxury to not want uh, Daryl Henderson. I have him on a lot of teams because last year um, I had him, you know, before they got Cam Akers. And now that Cam Akers is hurt, um, I'm going to have to start him at some times. Uh, I do think this might be kind of like a 60 40, even a 50 50 uh, share with Michelle. Uh, I don't really know which would get the goal line carries. Who knows, they might have one of the other running backs get the goal line carries. So, uh, like you said, it's not a great situation for Henderson. Um, I do wonder, because Henderson has that injury to his thumb, I wonder if the Rams were kind of worried about that. And I know there was a quote when they were asking about it before this trade, if uh, they liked where their second running backs were. And he said, you know, we'll have to see, you know, kind of alluding that he wasn't overly impressed. Even though I, I don't think I think Funk has uh, showed you know some good things in the preseason, but uh, so yeah, I would say I like Harris a little better, but I don't love uh, either uh, Michelle or Henderson. But since I do have Henderson in quite a few leagues, I might actually have to play him because I tend to wait on running back, so that means I'm in this situation a lot. I usually have very good receivers. And then I have to piece together my running backs. So that's just something I've become accustomed to. Um, and that's just what I have to go through. So the second piece of news um, was more surprising to me. It was that Teddy Bridgewater was named the starter for the Denver Broncos. I was surprised by this. I thought Drew Locke would get the nod. and But I thought both quarterbacks would play this season. I thought they would start with Locke um, because he's been there. And I think in the preseason, they've picked, played fairly even. So I thought they would stay with Locke, especially since they didn't draft a quarterback. Um, and I think this, with uh, Teddy, it it uh, kind of limits the offense, probably helps the running backs, um, Noah Fant and Jerry Judy more. I put out a quick uh, piece for IDP guys. So uh, check that out where it was an instant reaction. Um, but definitely – Definitely isn't good for what I thought might be a breakout with KJ Hamler because Teddy really doesn't throw the ball deep very much. So what are your thoughts about uh, this news? Yeah, we spoke about this, I think, like in our first or second episode. Um, I said that I thought Teddy Bridgewater was going to be the starter. I've I've said that all roads lead to Teddy Bridgewater in Denver. Now, it's not to say Drew Locke is not going to get the start later on in the year for some reason if Teddy Bridgewater falters, which isn't completely out of the question. But I think it's ultimately what, what Vic Fangio has done by drafting Javante Williams, by bolstering that defense, adding to the secondary in the draft. I think he wants this safe quarterback who is not going to be so frantic with the ball in his hands. Drew Locke, you know, he has his ups and he has his low, he has his highs and he has his lows, you know, and Teddy Bridgewater, he's not that volatile. He has lows too, but he's not that volatile. He takes care of the ball a little bit better. And I think he just complements the offense a lot more. 
Now for fantasy football, what do I think? I think if you're playing in a super flex league, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a great addition. I think there are a lot of uh, pieces on that offense that will accumulate fantasy points. I think he was a fine um, wide quarterback too with on the Panthers last year. He does have some rushing upside. He will he will scramble the pocket and run for a first down every once in a while. So there is that. So you know, don't be shy to add him, especially like especially if you have if you've taken Jerry Judy or Noah Fant or Javante Williams or Eric Cortland Sutton. He is a great quarterback to pick up super late in your drafts for a nice quality stack. You can get some double points out of that. So, you know, keep a lookout for that. Don't forget that. If you get Jerry Judy or one of those offensive weapons, make sure to go get Teddy Bridgewater if you're playing in a super flex league. Don't make him your primary quarterback in a in a single quarterback league. It's not gonna it's gonna backfire pretty hard. No, I agree. And only thing uh, other thing I would like to add is uh, I had Teddy Bridgewater last year for the Panthers. And let me just tell you, the stats might have looked okay or, you know, fairly good and everything. But if you watch those games, it was a rough go sometimes just mm-hmm. because he's he's afraid to make mistakes. He, the safe option, does a lot of checkdowns. Yeah. Um, I know we've talked about this. There's that one game against the Buccaneers, I believe, on Thursday night where DJ Moore didn't get a catch till like three minutes left in the fourth quarter, which terrible. is terrible. And that's my worry. And also last year, Teddy Bridgewater had the most touchdowns he's had in the season. It was only 15. I know he's had injuries and everything, but, and last year he had 15 touchdowns, but 11 interceptions, which interceptions isn't horrible, but when you only throw 15 touchdowns, that's, you know, not really what you want to see. Um, I understand what they're trying to do, but I don't know if their defense is good enough to win this way. And in that division with the chiefs, the chargers, and even the Raiders with Darren Waller, uh, I just think you're going to need to score more points than, you know, 14 or 17. And I don't know if they're capable with that. Um, it seems to me they're going with a safe option. And then if it doesn't work, they'll go with the riskier option, which I think is confusing because I personally would want to go with the riskier. And if he turns the ball over too much, then go with the safe option, you know, because to me, if the safe option doesn't work, it doesn't seem smart to go, you know, with the riskier option, but we'll see how it goes for them. And, um, you know, Fangio, let's, I let's, believe is, is coaching for his the, job. So let's look, let's look at the Broncos schedule real quick, just like the first few weeks. All right. So maybe, okay. maybe they're taking into consideration the schedule. So I suck at this. All right. So week one, they get the giants. I think Teddy Bridgewater can do that. Week two, they get yeah. the Jags. I think Bridgewater can do that. Week three, they get the Jets. I think Bridgewater can do that. Now, here's where it starts to get bumpy. They got the Ravens in week four. They got the Steelers in week five. And then they get the Raiders. Then they get the Browns. So it's kind of like a back and forth. And they get then they get Washington. And then they get the Cowboys. So I think Teddy can start out pretty hot. I think he can he can get some Ws for them in the very in the in the to open the season. But then the Ravens come to town, so we'll see. You know how how the Ravens developed offensively? Have they are, can they can they open it up? Are they still predictable like they were last year? You know the Steelers are they going to need Drew Lock to come in there and start chucking it? You know, so yeah, I think it, I think this is going to be. I, I honestly don't think Bridgewater is going to be the person to uh, kind of like lock it up. Like for example, right when Teddy Bridgewater got announced to starter starter today. Drew Locke became available in one of my leagues. I wouldn't put a waiver claim in waiver claim in for him. It's a super flex league. So watch out for that. People will be cutting Drew Locke. Expect Drew Locke to start sometime again this year. No, I agree. And I just wonder because with those games, with that schedule, he could very easily go three and zero, and then and then say, 
you know, out of those last five, what if he, you know, went those, you know, one and four, so they're four and four, even though they've, you know, kind of struggled those last five games. I don't know if they move on from Teddy if they're four and four and, you know, and say in the, in the playoff hunt. So in that instance, they might, they might stick with Bridgewater longer. Um, so that's very interesting, but they definitely have to win those first three games if they want to make any noise in the season. But it's a very, very manageable schedule. So yeah. um, that's interesting. I hadn't looked at their schedule yet. So that's a, that's a, that was a, that's, that was a good uh, thought by you. So good job. Hey, yeah. That's why you pay me. The, that's why you pay me the big bucks, dude. <laughs> All right. Next, um, it came out with the Travis Etienne's injury that uh, he has a Liz Frank injury, and they put him on IR, and he's going to miss the season. So I'm going to let you go first because I'm going to have a long rant after your answer. So, um, how do you think this affects the Jags? You know, what do you think about um, Etienne coming back after this year? You know, kind of what what do you kind of think about the whole uh, situation? Well, I mean, you hear the same thing everywhere you go. I mean, it's it's obviously going to be great for James Robinson. Um, I don't anticipate them really to bring in anybody else. And even if they do, there's nobody really, really anybody else out there to pose a threat to James Robinson's workload the way a first-round pick in Travis Etienne was. Maybe they bring in Javian Hawkins, who just got cut from the Falcons. I don't know. Uh, I think Carlos Hyde is a great stash. Uh, if you're in a deep enough league, go pick up Carlos Hyde and just stick him on your roster. Uh, playing with Trevor Tra- uh, Trevor Lawrence is you know is a great quarterback t- to uh, have the running back of the team. If that quarterback uh, can't talk, but uh, also yeah, like my my initial thought was yeah, it's going to help Lavisca Chenault get more touches. They're going to use him more like in the Debo Samuel. I think close to the line of scrimmage. Hopefully, Urban Meyer knows how to manufacture touches for a wide receiver of that nature. Um, I think it actually puts a little bit more uh, significance on DJ Chark now, because if, if we're going to lo- use LaVisca Chenault in this kind of like low A dot, lots of touch guys, I think, you know, I think DJ Chark was, was getting a lot of like negative energy this off season because he got the off season, he had the off, off season hand surgery. He, get, he broke his hand and then, you know, Urban Meyer said he was playing small. Um, so I think it kind of like moves pieces around like, DJ Chark kind of comes back up like this, you know, and LaVisca Chenault's in a different role now. It, it kind of reshapes the entire offense. This is ripple effect in the offense. And Marvin Jones kind of goes and plays the Z receiver, and DJ Chark goes back and takes the X spot. And, you know, Chenault takes that Y spot. So we'll see. So we'll see what happens. That's that's my prediction. Go ahead on your rant. Okay, there's going to be a lot of back and forth, a lot of things where, you know, I agree with some of the takes and some of them I don't agree with. So first of all, when when the Jaguars selected Travis Etienne, uh, when I was at the Jad Stadium when it happened, I wasn't overly happy at first because I I did agree with a lot of people said they already had James Robinson, they had a lot of um, other needs. But the more you know, I kind of thought about it, I thought it was good because a lot of teams do have multiple running backs. And a lot of people thought James Robinson would be done, you know, even before this injury. And I always thought that James Robinson would be the more between the tackles guy. Uh, ETN would do some, you know, regular runs, but be in the slot a lot, get a lot of receptions and everything. Um, so I'm sad that he can't play because I'm a Jets fan. I like Travis ETN. And I wanted that to happen so I could do a victory lap about, you know, because from the beginning, I thought James Robinson would still have a big role. So after that, I do not think that ETN injury 
changes at least the Jed's outlook in wins because even though he is a talented player, their defense is still not very good. It's better than last year, um, but it's not good enough to win games. Uh, their offensive line looks horrible, even though they were missing two players, two starters this last game. And to talk about Trevor, um, a lot of people were saying that he didn't look good in this the game against the Saints. I watched the whole game. Uh, he did not look amazing, but I think the lack of offense was not his fault. The linemen were getting pushed back. Um, Little, the rookie from Stanford, he was getting bull rushed. The Saints have a very good defensive line. Um, I did I did like that Trevor fought through some things, you know, had a nice run, even though he got hit pretty hard. Um, he hit some receivers. Another thing that I will admit that it looks like I'm going to be wrong is a lot of people are talking up Marvin Jones. I thought he would be a better um, NFL kind of football uh, player for the Jets than fantasy relevant. But it looks like Trevor feels very comfortable with Marvin Jones, and he could have a very um, – very solid year. So I will admit that, you know, as of now, it kind of looks like I'm going to be wrong with that. And I also think with, I like DJ Chark. I think a lot of people are way too down on him. Um, a lot of people are saying, you know, he was a one hit wonder with that one year, but last year he was open many times and people couldn't get him the ball. Uh, I, from what, you know, every, all the reports that uh, urban has been working with him one-on-one in practice before his injury and I just don't think Urban would be doing that with a player that he doesn't plan on being involved. And to that, uh, this team without DJ Chark, they in three wide receiver sets, they're playing LaVisca, Marvin Jones, and then Philip Dorsett. I mean, DJ Chark is a big upgrade over Philip Dorsett. I don't know why Colin Johnson isn't in those three wide receiver sets. So if you, I think having a better third wide receiver on the field will help the offense will get Trevor, you know, kind of going. I do think um, they're still trying to figure out, like they're saying in the in the broadcast, what kind of team they were. I was surprised by when Urban uh, hired Daryl Bevel. Uh, I didn't really understand that. Um, so I think that's part of it. And now I'll get more into the rant about how people are saying Urban's going to get fired in, in the middle of the year. Um, he's not going to make it to a second year. Uh, my thing is, I know college is different than the pros, but he's won everywhere he went. He's a good offensive mind. It might not work in Jacksonville. I agree. It might not work. But I'm not willing to say after two preseason games that he's going to get fired and everything. I don't hear anyone talking about Cliff Kingsbury that way, and he's never won anything anywhere. He shouldn't have gotten that Cardinals gut job based on what he, he's done as a head coach. Um, look at that talent with DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler, you know, and some of those other players, you know, Christian Kirk, um, they they totally collapsed last year. I think that offense is not creative enough. I'm hoping he kind of expands it this year with Rondell Moore, but, you know, there's that in there. You know, in, in Cincinnati, they haven't really done much, and I, I don't hear as much about that. So I think Urban will get the offense going. My biggest thing is everyone just piling on saying he's going to get fired Gus Bradley with the Jags was here for four years. Our owner sometimes isn't hands-on enough, and he's going to get two to three three years. And the other thing is, I don't know what people expected. This team was 1-15 last year. It lost 15 straight games. 15. I don't – and, you know, the only team that's done worse than that are teams like the Lions that lost 16 games. And I don't really know what the, you know – 
I would like the offense to look better also, but I don't know what they were really – people are expecting. Everyone was jumping on the LaVisca Chenault, you know, bandwagon because of what, you know, um, Curtis Samuel did and what Percy Harvin did under Urban Meyer. But I don't think LaVisca is necessarily that type of player. He's not just a speed player. He's a physical type player, but that can be used as a running back. And I kind of looked it up, you know, because the hype on LaVisca has been really big and everyone's saying that, Urban doesn't know how to use him and everything. So last year in his first two games, in the regular season, two games, he had six catches, 72 yards, and one touchdown. In two preseason games, he has seven catches for 50 yards. So in pretty much two quarters. So, I mean, he doesn't have the touchdown, but the yardage and the targets are there. So I think – you know, as you'll talk about later about overreaction preseason, I think it's a huge overreaction. Like I said, I don't know if Urban's going to make the Jaguars good. You know, I don't think they can be as bad as they were before. You know, just as a good coach, you know, just having a plan, I think you know he'll he'll be fine in that that part. But that's my rant. Just I think that I thought the Jaguars might win seven games this year, just you know, with the talent and the coaching. Uh, from what I've seen, I don't think that, and with the ETN injury, I'm looking more at, you know, five, maybe four or five wins. But I just don't think it's going to be as much of a disaster as people are making it out to be. And, you know, the other coaches get two or three years, and I, I the Jads went out and got Urban, so I don't see them firing him, especially mid-year. So that is my rant. Uh, yeah, you don't, I don't really know what to say to that. There was a lot of good stuff in there. I I – I never was on the Urban Meyer being fired midseason. He was doing some stuff that was confusing to me, but I mean, you know, he went and got he got Trevor Lawrence with their first pick. So I mean, how bad could he mess the job up? I mean, like, fine, he got Travis Etienne in the first round too. That's fine, whatever. He wanted to pair Trevor uh, Trevor Lawrence up uh, with a running back that he was familiar with. I think he was doing him a favor. But I mean, yeah, it's pretty much spot on, man. Like, I, I think I think you got I think you hit a lot of good points, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they won more than five games this year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Lawrence just, you know, go straight into his old college form. He does look a little bit unnatural in that offense that Urban Meyer has introduced him to. It doesn't seem like I'm just used to seeing Lawrence like spread out with all his weapons and just kind of like just chucking it and hitting guys like hitting, just throwing dimes. So it looks like a little bit of a transition period right now for Lawrence. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of, well, a lot of, a lot of great points. Very well said, Brandon, you know, you're the, you're the Jags fan. You see, you're very passionate about it. I'm not going to really argue about it with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be the first one to say that they've messed up a lot. And I don't think Urban's perfect by any means. But I don't think he's won all these games, even in college, you know, with not knowing what he's doing. He has a plan. And I think this first year was not going to be good regardless. Um, I do think the defense is going to be better. He They did mention in the broadcast that he said that it, they were doing a lot of vanilla things, not showing a lot. So I hope that, you know, that's going to kind of change. Um, and they still have James Robinson. And, I mean, I don't know how much of that uh, preseason game against the Saints you watched, but they couldn't run the ball at all. I saw so it. I I, it. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's a part. And they played two really good teams, even though they haven't played all the starters. They played the Saints and the Browns, which have very good defenses. You know, the first, I believe the Jazz' first game is against the Texans. So if Deshaun Watson doesn't play – I mean, I would, I like their, I like their chances of being able to, you know, to, to win that game. 
they might do do it like they did last year and lose all the rest, but at least they'll get the win out of the way. So, so now we'll um, now that we got that rant out of the way, we'll move on to um, doing some uh, redraft kind of uh, pick the player. Uh, I got a couple um, uh, wide receivers and a couple of running backs that are close in ADP. Actually, I think both of them are only like a pick away from each other in ADP. So the first one is um, Allen Robinson versus Terry McLaurin. So in redraft, PPR, which one would you pick? Uh, I would pick Allen Robinson primarily because he's essentially the only receiving threat on that entire team. Uh, you have Darnell Mooney there, and that's it. With Terry McLaurin, you got Ryan Fitzpatrick there. Uh, throwing to uh, Logan Thomas, Curtis Samuel, Deami De- Brown, and Adam Humphreys. It's a little bit more, dis- there's a little bit more distribution. I don't believe the pass attempts on that team are going to be as high as the Bears, uh, primarily because they have one of the best defenses in the entire league. So it just really comes down to simple as that like pass attempts and uh, target share. That's it. And, and Allen Robinson, also primarily first and above all, Allen Robinson is the better uh, wide receiver. So. That's where I'll go with that. I think it's very close, but I'm going to actually go with uh, Terry McLaurin because in one of my hot takes, I said he was going to finish top five on yeah. receiver. So yeah. I've, I've got I've to roll with that. I think, um, you know, uh, Fitzpatrick hasn't looked great, but in the, in the games uh, that he's played uh, preseason-wise from what I've seen, uh, he targets McLaurin, you know, gets the ball to him, even um, – a couple incompletions, he like gets in the ball deep, and kind of what you know, A. Rob has had to deal with. Terry McLaurin's quarterbacks have been horrible. I'm not saying Fitzpatrick is you know a great quarterback, but he's by far the best quarterback he's played with. And I just think I just think he's more of the uh, alpha type guy on that offense. And I don't know how they're going to use all the other parts, but you are right; they have more offensive weapons on Washington. But also with um, with Chicago, I don't know how long Andy Dalton's going to play. Um, I think Fields should play right away. But if they play Dalton longer, you know, um, I don't know what that means for uh, for A Rob. But I will take McLaurin because I've got to stick with my uh, with my hot take. So the second one, second one is Austin Eckler versus Aaron Jones. I know this changed a lot when. Uh, Aaron Rodgers said he was going to play. So who do you have in this matchup? Yeah, I was thinking about this one, and uh, I initially thought I was like, oh, it's Aaron Jones automatically. But I kind of got to thinking about it more, and I felt like it was more of a trick question because you're like, oh, Aaron Jones, you know, Jamal Williams is gone, more targets, uh, plays with Aaron Rodgers. You know, I'm not going to necessarily necessarily say the offense is better because, you know, the Chargers are, you know, they got Justin Herbert back there throwing it. Um but the two backs share one negative aspect in common, and that is goal line touches. Now, when you look at Aaron Jones, they got A.J. Dillon back there, right? You know, if I'm a coach, A.J. Dillon is, God, man, he's six foot something, 240 pounds, 250 pounds. The guy's an animal. He's a monster. That guy, I, it's, not, it's not a reach to say that guy's going to take all the goal line touches, like all of them, maybe, like. 90% of them. And I, I think it's already been discussed that Austin Eckler is not going to get the majority of the goal line touches either. They're going to probably, probably bring in Larry Roundtree, Justin Jackson, or Joshua Kelly, um, any of them. And Austin Eckler really historically hasn't been a great goal line back. Um, 
But in the in the end of it, I'm going to say Aaron Jones just because he's a proven running back that we've seen do it year in and year out. He finishes top 10 or top – yeah, I think he's finished finished top 10 pretty consistently. Austin Eckler just had – we've we're, we're Austin Eckler, what we're doing is we're projecting the four weeks that he played without Melvin Gordon. We're, we're using that as our platform for, you know, excitement and, you know, just this – this, this, you know, we're getting worked up about it. Yeah, he's a great receiver, just like Aaron Jones. So it's close, but he's not a better runner than Aaron Jones. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna believe that. And I'm a firm believer. I, I, I haven't been shaken off this yet, this idea yet that Austin Eckler is gonna have maybe ten rushing attempts. He will have like maybe six targets throughout the uh, per game throughout the year. But I think he's gonna have like about maybe just 10, 10 11, 12 rushing attempts a game. I think one of those three other backs are gonna come in and uh, take a lot of the rushing work from him. So I'm going Aaron Jones on this one. So this is a one that I've kind of struggled with too because it was weird before because um, I know Matt Matthew Barry has always said this, you know, hashtag free Aaron Jones because, you know, whether it was with McCarthy, you know, or now, um, just for some reason they don't want to give Aaron Jones all the work. With Jamal Williams, he would get some of the goal line carries, which I don't consider Jamal Williams a goal line back and he would get a lot of the receptions. So that was always interesting. But Aaron Jones, even though people always talk about him not getting the bulk of the touches, he always finishes very high, you know, as a running back. So that's something you have to take into consideration. And I do wonder because, AJ, like you said, A.J. Dillon is just a huge man. And in that one game last year he played against the Titans, he looked very good. And I do think he's going to get a lot of the goal line carries. But the thing that kind of kept Aaron Jones before was he wouldn't get all the receptions because Jamal Williams was in there a lot um, getting those. But I don't know if A.J. Dillon's going to get those receptions. So maybe I don't know if that means they're going to use maybe Kylan Hill more on that, that type of thing. So, But I think Aaron Jones obviously is still going to be great. And I'll probably be wrong with this because Aaron Jones always proves me wrong. But I'm going with Austin Eckler just because – like you said, if he gets sits, you know, if he gets the ball thrown to him six times, say he, you know, let's go low. Let's say he gets five receptions a game, so that's five points right there, you know, at, at the, you know, and anywhere from you know twenty to fifty yards. So that that's like eight or nine points right there. And then put in the ten rushes, even just forty yards on 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 ten rushes, that gets you to around twelve points, you know. PPR wise, and that's all, you know, being very conservative. So I don't think he even needs the goal line carries. It's just for running backs that are good receivers, especially in the PPR format, as long as they get the targets, it's just so much easier for them to meet certain thresholds for point wise, where um, not to say Aaron Jones isn't a good receiver. I just don't know if the Packers will get him the ball enough for him to get that, you know, easy you know, type four that Eckler might have. And like I said, um, I always doubt Aaron Jones and it always comes back to bite me. So uh, I might be wrong on this one, but I'm going to go with Austin Eckler. Well, 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 I will say that, um, yeah, Austin Eckler doesn't need touchdowns, but it's kind of like caps the ceiling a lot, right? When you say that, that he won't be, he, you know, and the same for Aaron Jones. And again, going back to my AJ Dillon statement about him taking goal line touches, if we, if we, if we remember Matt LaFleur, with his time uh, with the Tennessee Titans, he had DeMarco Murray and uh, Derrick Henry there. I believe DeMarco Murray was still getting the goal line carries, even with Derrick Henry there. And Derrick Henry in his second year, in his first year, he wasn't really a threat to Aaron Jones. 
AJ Dillon is still way big. I think he's considerably still larger than Derrick Henry, even though Derrick Henry is a massive person. So we'll see. I mean, just because there are those huge, massive running backs on those teams, they don't necessarily get the carries. So I think that adds a little bit more edge to Aaron Jones for me. Anyways, I just want to finish off on that. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And the Titans yeah. always were kind of confusing where they would not play Derrick Henry, you know, until, you know, players got injured and then they finally let him play. And you saw he was breaking all these tackles and everything. Uh, I just have to imagine that drafting A.G. Dillon that high that they want to get him the ball a good amount. Um, but like like we said before, Aaron Jones did fine with sharing carries and, and goal line touches with Jamal Williams. So like I said, I am, I am willing to say that I could be very wrong on this, on this, on this, but, um, but you are right about the ceiling. I don't think Eckler has the ceiling of being a top five running back. I think he's squarely in the, you know, eight to 12 spot as a running back, which, which is still very good. Whereas Aaron Jones does have the ability to be a top five running back. So that is correct. So we'll move on from redraft, and now we'll go into uh, a more fun topic. We're going to give our top five cocktails. So how do you want to do this? Do you want to go um, number five, and then we each give one, go back and forth? Yeah, sure. Sure, yeah, we'll do that. Okay, okay. you go first. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first. I'll let you go first. I'll, All right, I'm, I'm number... really interested by your drinks. Yeah, they're kind of all over the board. So number five for me is a uh, peach margarita. I'm a big fan of drinks that have some sort of fruit flavor in them. Uh, and then there's a Mexican place right very close to our house. That's very good. Um, they, they have these peach margaritas. I've been really been on a, a kick for, you know, eating peaches, drinking peach type things. So it's a delicious peach margarita. You know, margaritas are great with uh, chips and salsa and Mexican food. So that is one of my uh, go-tos right now. Dude, I'm so bummed that you put margarita because I was going to put a margarita too because I love margarita. I get hankering for margaritas all the time. So I'm bummed that I didn't put it on there to compliment your margarita on your list. But my, uh, my, my, um, my number five is it's called the Salty Dog, which is basically uh, if you take a Greyhound, if you don't know what a Greyhound is, a Greyhound is vodka and uh, – grapefruit juice pretty much that's all it is on ice mix it up it's really good it's more of a kind of a nighttime beverage but if you put salt on the rim it's called a salty dog greyhound so it's my it's my nighttime drink and i'm a daytime i, I prefer drinking in the daytime i like brunch i like daytime activities yeah, at nighttime i want to come home and just chill out but uh yeah so number five is salty dog okay i've never i'm not a big into grapefruit juice but i've never i've never heard of that drink being called that so Maybe I'll have to try it someday. So number four for me is what's called a bee's knees, and it's gin, honey, and uh, lemon juice. So a lot of my friends aren't big uh, gin drinkers, but I, I like gin. And uh, this drink I actually found, there's a kind of a craft cocktail place in Jacksonville in the Riverside area, and it's connected to a pizza place. So, you know, perfect pairing, pizza, and, you know, these drinks. Um it does take a little while because they're all these craft cocktails where they have to get all these ingredients and it takes forever and mitts and everything. But, uh, that drinks, that drinks very good. And like I said, I'm a big uh, fan of gin and, um, I was at a wedding, um, 
a few years ago and they had a bottle of gin. I'm pretty sure I was the only one drinking it and the bottle was gone by the end, by the end of the reception. So I'm I'm proud of you for that. That's awesome. Uh, I, 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 that sounds good. I'm going to need the recipe for that. So, I mean, you're going to have to find out what the recipe is for that and send it my way because that looks delicious. Um, my drink, my number four drink is called the Michelada, which is, it's, it's a, it's a Mexican concoction that we, have you ever heard of Micheladas? Had them before. They're good. Yeah. So I've, and it, I live in Southern California. We have a large, you know, we have a large Hispanic community out here. I've lived out here my entire life and I've never had a Michelada until like three years ago or four years ago when I went on a surf trip and we were down at the beach and uh, we were hanging out down, down there in Mexico and two local women came down and they were making pina coladas and they were making micheladas for $5 a piece. So I bought a Michelada and they gave me a Michelada like, like that big dude. And I, I took a sip of it and I thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. And, uh, that that's, it's such a great drink to have everywhere around here. Anywhere you can go, you can get a Michelada. It's, it's like, it's almost like a Mexican Bloody Mary kind of, that's what it tastes like. It's, it's, it might be even better. I don't know. It's, it's really good though. So that's my number four. Yeah, and funny you say that. Um, I've been to Mexico at some of the um, all-inclusive resorts, and I've had the Michelada's a lot, you know, in the morning. Um, so those are those are very good. So number three yeah. for me is what's called a Miami Vice. So if you don't know what that is, it's a frozen drink. It is a mix of a pina colada and a strawberry daiquiri. So, so it is. Yeah, it's that's it's good. Delicious. That sounds good, dude. That sounds good. Yeah, so, I so a lot of the right drinks now. too, yeah, that I like because I live in Florida in the hot weather, you know, that cool you down, poolside yeah. drinks. Um, that actually was the first drink I bought my brother when he turned 21. Um, it was funny. I went, we were at Chili's because I feel like when you turn 21, most of me and my friends went to Chili's, you know, for the two for ones and everything. So I asked for that and they had no idea what I was talking about. So I had to tell them what it was but it's it's a delicious it's a delicious drink that sounds delicious so that, that sounds i like i like your style of cocktails dude you can definitely buy me a cocktail anytime you want i'll just give you money and i'll just like dude just get me whatever because judging by your list it looks delicious uh so my number three is uh it's called the moscow mule i'm sure you've heard of that right yeah that all that's probably number six on my list that was close cool. to the cool. top five for me cool. yeah so it's pretty much uh it's vodka lime juice, ginger beer. And, um, that's pretty much it. And it's, it goes down so good. They, they serve it. If you haven't had it, they serve it like kind of like they traditionally serve in these little brass cups. It keeps it ice cold. The ginger beer makes the vodka to go down effortlessly. If you're not like really big into tasting alcohol, when you have your drinks, it goes down so fast and it's so dangerous, like three of them. And you're like, Hey, I'm having way too much fun right now. Maybe I should kick back on these things for a second. And I don't do that. I don't do that. I push forward. I keep going. I give me another one. Give me another one. Give me another. They're so delicious, dude. They're so delicious. I'll drink till I fall asleep. I drink till I fall asleep. Uh, either that or I get into a cab and I go home and I don't say bye to anybody. They, 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 they just look at me and they're like, he's going to get in a cab in like 20 minutes and get the hell out of here. I go, yeah. Don't be surprised when I just go out of the scene because I'm way too hammered. So, yeah. Moscow right, so, three. so you're, you're one of those. I have a friend that it, we call him the skate artist because – uh, you know, he just, he just literally disappears like in, and we never know where he is. So if anything yeah. ever happened to him, we wouldn't know because he disappears. So 
But uh, yeah, so Moscow mules are very good, but I have been to bars where they do not have those cups. And oh. it just, it they just give it to you in a normal glass and it's not nearly as good. It's not nearly pointless. as good. That's pointless. Yeah, just, so they, now- they should, just, they should just call that drink, they should just call that drink Jack, they should just call it a jackass instead of a Moscow <laughs> mule. Because <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. All right, so second for me is a uh, Bloody Mary. Um, I'm big on starting out with a Bloody Mary when if I'm day drinking and going for brunch, you know, I'll have a, a couple of those, you know, while while I eat. I love them mostly because they come with uh, green olives most of the time, and I'm a big olive fan. So I love that because a lot of times when you order brunch, it takes a little time. So I have kind of a little snack while I drink my cocktail waiting for waiting for my breakfast and also bloody marys are good if you've you know kind of not feeling great from the night before and just need a little pick me up yeah. so that is um that is my number two yeah we're we're definitely uh we're definitely seeing eye to eye at number two I, i'm bloody mary as well at number two i think i think besides for the fact that we're huge kenny gamewell fans i think we're in the same we're at the same level of enthusiasm for bloody marys that we are with kenny gamewell so we're like right there with the two Bloody Marys are just like the most delicious drink. I could drink them anytime, but they're also really great in the morning when you're waiting for food, for brunch. I don't like olives. I only like olives in Bloody Marys. Only the green ones with the red things inside of it. I don't even know what that red stuff is, but I love it. It tastes so good. And then you can put like a nice – I've made them at home where I've taken bacon and I've put the bacon in the oven and then put the bacon in the Bloody Mary because if you cook it in the oven, it comes out – it maintains its, its, its integrity, its size instead of cooking in a pan and then you get this little stupid puny piece of bacon. So when you put a piece of bacon in the oven, put it in my bloody Mary, you still have this like solid strip of bacon in there along with the olives. It's like, and it's so good, dude. Like a couple of those. So right. This it's a great way to start off like a, a hungover, like Saturday morning. So yeah, bloody Mary at number two, easy. So number one for me is a mango mojito. So I actually started drinking these, the night that I proposed to my wife, um, we went to this nice steakhouse and I saw, you know, um, I wasn't even a big fan of mojitos before that, but I saw it was a mango mojito. I was sweating so bad in the restaurant. Um, for some reason, I decided it was a good idea to wear a suit. So I had some of those and then to, you know, kind of continue on the story. We're sitting at a table. They don't even have real candles. They have one, you know, the electronic ones. And I just kept on telling um, my, my wife that, you know, it's just so hot because, you know, of all these candles in here. And I kept on sweating. And then, like, I took my jacket off. And then before I proposed, I put the jacket back on, you know, for the picture. And then she kept on saying, like, you know, why are you putting it back on? I'm like, you know, I'm cold now, even though I'm still sweating down my face. And everything so um yeah mango mojitos for me pretty much you know like i said about having fruit in my cocktails some sort of fruit flavoring um yeah. big fan of mango so mango mojito is top of my list i don't know how anybody can go out with you and not enjoy the drinks that you have like if you buy them one drink off this list if they if they don't like any of that then i don't even know what they're doing coming out they should just stay home because those Sounds so good, man. Those like that's that list is way better than my list, dude. I'm like, my my number one is mimosa, just because I'm a big brunch guy, dude. Like, mimosas get me going so quickly. I don't know what it is about them, dude. But like, if somebody tells me, "Hey, let's go to this place," and I'm like, "Nah," 
And then they say they have bottom, they have bottomless mimosas. I'm like, let me get my shoes. I'll be right back. I the two best words together are bottomless mimosas. Bottomless is a great word. Mimosas is a great word. And we take the two words and put bottomless mimosas together. It's 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 heaven, dude. Like pay 15 bucks and you just get infinite mimosas with 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 waffles, chicken and waffles, and like some mac and cheese, whatever you get for brunch, you know. And then you just keep pouring those back, and then you know you have some of those, and then by like one o'clock you go home for a nap, and you wake up, and you feel you feel all right, you feel pretty good. You have some water, you have a big glass of water, and you carry on with your day. Great way to start the day with mimosas. I love it. I do agree. You know, mimosas are usually the only thing that is bottomless. I used to be a huge mimosa fan, um, and I think because I indulged a little too much on some of the bottomless mimosa days, uh, I don't like them nearly as much. And two, I feel like sometimes the drinking that much orange juice kind of makes me a little, little sick with all the sugar. But um, mimosas are mimosas are great, and you know, bottomless mimosas. I don't even know why um, restaurants do that. They have to lose money on that deal when you know, um, especially the ones that will set the the bottle of champagne on your table. You know, yeah. we've done it before where we tell them just bring, just keep on bringing the bottles because we're going to need more. Please. Well, like you said, you said in the very beginning, you said a bottomless mimosa is the only thing that's bottomless. Well, when I'm done with bottomless mimosas, there's another thing that's bottomless, and that's. <laughs> oh, so those are those are our top five <laughs> top five cocktails. So um, we'll finish up the the show where we kind of just talk about preseason. So I'll start with one one thing that I've seen from uh, preseason that I'm surprised by and. Um, so it's it's Kyler Murray. I watched their uh, second preseason game last week. Uh, like I said, I know it's preseason. There's probably a little bit of overreaction, but I think he completed one pass for two yards for the like four drives he was in. Um, he did not look great. He looked like he was not seeing the field very well. He was holding on to the ball. He's still, you know, Kyler is super fast. And he's a great runner. But as we saw last year, if he gets dinged up, that, that team pretty much goes into the toilet. And he was still running a little too much for my liking. And with Rondell Moore there, um, if he's open, he just needs to let it fly. You know, it, it, and same with DeAndre Hopkins, which he does a lot. But, I mean, he doesn't need to hold on to that ball. Um, part of it, too, is probably Cliff Kingsbury. Like I said, you know, a lot of people think he's an offensive genius, but – He's very vanilla in what he does. That's why Kenyon Drake got all those touchdowns last year because all he would do in the red zone is just hand the ball to Kenyon Drake, even though, you know, they had DeAndre Hopkins. And I hope, you know, I think A.J. Green is nowhere near what he used to be, but I think as a third option, you know, as a big body receiver, that that should help also. But I was just hoping to see more out of uh, Kyler, you know, more crisp plays, and I, I didn't see that. And – you know, a lot of people are projecting Kyler to be in that top three, you know, this year. I've seen some people say he could finish as the number one quarterback. And just, you know, some of those things kind of worry me because I think he's a very good fantasy quarterback. But sometimes as a pure, you know, NFL quarterback, I think there are things to be desired. Uh, sometimes I don't think his accuracy is great. Um, he has a hell of an arm. And like I said, he's very fast. But those are some things that I hope, you know, it was just preseason. He gets ironed out because, you know, um, I'm baking on him a lot in, in fantasy. 
So um, that's kind of what what I've seen. And another thing uh, I want to talk about about preseason. I feel like this year more teams are resting their starters and not playing starters. And there's one less game, so I don't really understand that. And as a new coach, like for the Chargers, I don't believe they're playing any of their starters, at least so far. Um, I would think with a new coach, you would at least want to get, in, get them in there for a couple series. So I don't really understand that. For teams that have been together for a long time, um, I understand not playing them. But even, um, you know, Big Ben, he wanted to get in there for a couple series with, with the Steelers to, you know, it's a new offense and get that going when he probably doesn't need, need that time. And a couple other quarterbacks probably don't need to be in the game and they still play. So that's at least my thoughts. And I know you have, um, you wanted to have a little bit of a rant over uh preseason overreaction. So uh, the floor is yours. Yeah. This really didn't start up until the whole Jamar chase. This guy, this reporter came out and said, uh, Jamar Chase is going to be switching places with Auden Tate. He's going to be on and off field. I was just, I read that and I just was like, oh, can the season just start already? Because I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of beat writers and reporters saying the dumbest stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's tricky because we're, we're clashing, we're, we're, we're latching onto whatever data point we can find, right? We're, we're trying to find comments, coach speak, whatever we can find. And ADP is freaking going up and down roller coaster every single day because somebody says one thing and then eh, people are selling shares and buying shares. It's insane what's happening right now. And I put a post on Twitter and I said, okay, guys, disregard the Jamar Chase. Disregard the Jamar Chase comment that the that the beat writer reported. And some people were like, you can't disregard negative news. It's like, yeah, you, you can't. But sometimes you have to, man. You have to. Did we just forget who Jamar Chase is? Because one guy said something that's completely stupid. It's the dumbest thing. He, Jamar Chase is a baller, dude. He's one of the top prospects who have come out in such a long time. He is not a bad football player. Don't sell him for anything. He maintains his value through all of this because he had three or four drop balls. Man, who cares? You saw him catch a thousand balls in college. You've seen him catch a million balls in college every which way. And because he had four bat when he forgot how to play football, he just not, he's not good at playing football anymore because he dropped four balls in the first preseason NFL debut. What's ever like what you're scared of Jamar Chase now? Like I I'm guilty of like falling for traps in preseason. And I've been through like 10 preseason preseason already. And I fall through multiple traps. And like, if you're new to this, I, I this is not pointing toward, this is not geared towards you, but to you people who rile up the crowd and who have been doing this, who should know better. You should know better than this than to get, Feeding to this Jamar Chase kind of stuff. No better. Be better than that. Stop it. Stop it. With some players, it's 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 justifiable. Not with a player like Jamar Chase. That's let's just stop this madness. I'm so tired of the preseason. Let's just get the season started. I'm gonna. My head's gonna. My eyes are gonna fall out of my head, and my brain's gonna leak out of my ears if you don't just get this freaking season started already. I almost cussed like eight thousand times, and I'm really trying to keep the show clean. I just. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of the knee-jerk reactions. I'm so tired of it. That's, that's my rant. Well, I hadn't heard that one about um, on Tate. Um, I, that one's bad. That one's super bad because I can, I, I can even, uh, you know, I can even entertain saying, you know, um, with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, maybe, you know, then get more targets if he continues to, you know, drop passes or whatever. But on Tate, like Adam Tate's not gonna play over Jamar Chase. They they drafted him top five. They're not gonna Yeah, that that's ridiculous. And yes, so some people some 
everyone, you know, reacts to overreacts to things that have happened in preseason. I know I've done that. I've been very excited. And I've said on the show what Rondell Moore has shown in his little time playing. And it's probably overreaction. Um, you know, I've overreacted. I don't think that is. Sorry, I don't think that is. I don't think Rondell Moore is an overreaction. I think he. I think that's justifiable. I mean, like, anyways, go ahead. Sorry, that's another discussion. Go ahead. No, yeah, and just other things. I'm like I said with the Kyler thing, probably overreacting a little bit to him playing poorly, you know, in just a couple quarters. But I would like to see. Um, I think everyone's expecting him to grow in his third year, so I would like to see, you know, some more. You know, Christmas in, in, in that offense and everything. I know DeAndre Hopkins wasn't playing. Um, just, you know, it, it just wasn't something I wanted to see. I was excited that I was going to get to watch Kyler, um, hoping that, you know, he could lead some drives and everything. So that's probably a little bit of a overreaction, kind of like all these people going crazy because Urban hasn't named uh, Trevor Lawrence the starter. He's the starter. Um it's only, you know, it hit Urban's little mind games, which, you know, we can talk about how he shouldn't do that in the NFL, which I agree. But um, he's just trying to keep everyone involved. And I think from what I've heard, both of them have looked good in camp. And they're probably just rewarding Gardner for continuing working hard, even though he knows, you know, if there's very little chance he's going to beat out Trevor. Um, but as you saw, you know, in the preseason game, He's not really that much better than – he didn't play any better than Trevor. You know, I know he's in with the second team, but he's also going against second and third defensive players. So it's just it's just crazy with all that. And with, you know, Twitter and all the social media, I think all these takes just come out even more during preseason. Yeah. Everyone wants to be first and when they say things. So they're just throwing anything out there, you know. And I, But I agree. It's for a new – Football fans are new fantasy, you know, football players. Um, they, they, these, these hot takes probably lead them down the wrong path. So um, I guess the thing is just beware of, you know, these, the listen to all these hot takes and don't take everything that's been said in preseason, even what coaches say, you know, like, like Bruce Arians always talks a, up a running back and then, you know, um, they don't do anything. Like he was talking up Vaughn last year and, he got in, you know, very little. He's been talking up Gio Bernard, so I've heard everyone talking that up, which I like Gio, but I don't believe Bruce Arians until I see it on the field because he's one of those guys that I think just talks up players, um, and it doesn't necessarily translate on the field. Okay, so um, that is the show for tonight. So, uh, you know, we'll have this on YouTube and streaming, and also on our uh, Twitter bio, I created uh, – we created a page – where it has all the links for all of our um, social media accounts. Um, we're now on Apple, so you can listen to us on Apple. And please uh, leave a review if you listen there. We're also on Spotify. So um, my name is uh, Brandon at HayB3. Yes, and I am Zadik Kansabedian at ZKansFF. All right, have a good have a good week, guys. <laughs>